Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Steve and I are on vacation, but don't worry. We've got lots of great new interviews planned for you this week. Today, my discussion with Bucks quarterback coach Clyde Christensen. Remember, he was part of Tony Dungy's original staff in Tampa Bay. Also followed Dungy to the Colts, where they won a Super Bowl with quarterback Peyton Manning. What did he learn about turning around the Bucks the first time, and why does he think they can do it again with Jameis Winston at quarterback and head coach Bruce Arians? We've got Clyde Christensen. On this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, if you'd like to sponsor this podcast, we've got lots of new ways you can do that. Our advertisers are having great success, and you will too. So for more information, here's what you do. Contact us now on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll give you all the information you need on how to be a sponsor of this podcast, which is growing each and every day. We'd love to have you be part of our team. Clyde Christensen joins us now. And Clyde, uh, you know, when I first met you, it was a little different building um, over here. Uh, the old, you know, whatever they called it, the, uh, I'm not wood, sure what, the woodshed. Was that the... Was I'm, that not, the, I'm not sure it was a building. I'd have to clarify <laughs> was, that. I think they were trailers. They were, tra- they were modular at yeah, least. It was but, trailer uh, parks that's and right. whatnot. But a different, it was a different time, and yet it was, it was an exciting time. Um, certainly for you, I think it was your first NFL job, right? Mm-hmm. It was. Um, and you, you joined Tony Dungy's staff, and boy, you look back at that staff now, and you, and you realize just uh, what talent he was able to assemble. But but what was it like, you know, I just want to go back a little bit because this is your second trip here with Tampa. Is What was it like walking into that situation where the Bucks hadn't won, Tony hadn't been a head coach, and you guys were coming together for the first time? Yeah, it was really it was really a neat thing because I think we all, especially me, I didn't I didn't know any better. So you just we had a bunch of college guys. Tony hired a bunch of college guys. Me, Marinelli, Levy Smith, bunch of guys out of college, and uh, and I think we just came in and started coaching. I don't think we didn't know any better. We didn't know how hard it was to win in this league, and and uh, it was back in the old uniforms. We were a bad football team, but we really treated it like a college atmosphere it was fundamentals it was technique it was effort we were coaching effort we were coaching all those things and uh and tony of course being a great leader he is just said just keep doing it we i think we started off one and eight and Mm -hmm. we were a bad football team and uh but we just kind of stayed steady and just kept teaching just kept teaching and you know that would be kind of a tony trademark and you just keep doing the same things and do it better and better and sure enough it it turned a little bit, and at the end of the year, we started playing better football, and things started to come together. But uh, I think I think I, none of us knew any better. None of us knew better. You just just coached, you know. You just mm-hmm. coached. You didn't worry about scores and seasons and careers and all those big things. You just worried about let's let's see if we can how good we can get them. What did you learn um, about starting up or changing the culture? Because you hear that. Every coach that, that comes into a situation, yeah. it's probably because they haven't won at least a year or two before. And the first thing you hear is, it's sort of cliche, but we got to change the culture. Well, Tony actually began a culture in some ways. And you mentioned it, like the college atmosphere or whatnot and teaching. He hired teachers first. But what what is that 
uh, task? How monumental is that to try to to, to take a, a franchise that has lost for a number of years and, and, and actually turn it? I think, I, you know, it, it's uh, it's Mount Everest of sorts. And I think Tony's way and the way it happened the first time, I think, started with the staff, as you alluded to, that a lot of times, you know, staff, players and coaches are kind of the same. They're, they're independent contractors and yeah. they're, they're mercenaries. And, you you know, you coach all these different places and you come in and you blow in and it's just a job. And, you know, and I think Tony, by hiring college guys and we were probably a little bit more team oriented. We were a little bit more. It didn't matter who got the credit. It didn't matter who had titles. You know, now you got eight assistant head coaches and the coordinator of this and the coordinator of that. And, and football's kind of changed. And, and I think that first time he just came in and coached. Everyone stayed in their lane and everyone coached their position and coached it hard. And uh, and so I really think that the culture started with his staff that he put together yeah. and. Uh, it was an unselfish staff. Worked together. It was a good atmosphere. It wasn't offense versus defense. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't this versus that. And uh, and uh, and I think all of a sudden the team picks up on it, and you just gain momentum. And then once you get it swinging, then 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 they start believing, and then just more and more and more and more. And I think more than talking about culture, he just talked about let's do the right thing and let's play good football. Mm-hmm. And uh, then slowly but surely, your culture just changes. I also do think he puts a premium on who, who is part of the team. You know, that it's not guys you have to change a whole bunch. That, you know, I look, I coming back this second time. One of the really glaring things that jumps out is the quality of human being, quality of man. Mm-hmm. You know, I played golf with Rondi, and you know, and it's Dave Moore, and it, you know, and it's Booger, and it, you know, I mean, it's just one guy after and Derek Brooks, and it's Warwick, and it's Mike Allstott's coach in high school, it's John Lynch. You guys see at the combine, but every guy you run into, you start going, "Whoa!" I mean, that that was that was a collection of good men, good players, you know, and and I think that you know how he drafted, how he the kind of people he wanted in, and then the other guys just disappeared. He would Tony never cussed and never never screamed at people. You just, you just all of a sudden you go, hey, where, where'd those bad guys? They just disappeared, you know. They they kind of just weren't around anymore, and uh, and that was kind of his style. And and so I, I do think a big part of it was who, and then then the buy-in's easier. But I think I think just that mentality of teaching, you know, it wasn't a bunch of gimmicks. It wasn't a bunch of you know hand-holding and team-building activities. It was, you know, let's, let's, let's just play good football. You um, took over a young quarterback then mm-hmm. uh, in Trent Dilfer who hadn't had a whole lot of success and really didn't have a lot of success early when, when you guys were there. Yeah. Mike Shula was the offensive coordinator. You ran the ball yep. a lot. Tony believed in obviously playing defense, and it was a different game a little bit back then. Um, but what did you learn uh, – with a guy like Dilfer, who was a lot of expectations, um, maybe overdrafted, maybe not, but he eventually got it. And of course, he, did, he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens yeah. in that in Raymond James Stadium. But what was it like to have a young quarterback with all those expectations at that yeah. time? Yeah, I think there's, you know, the, it's extremely hard. I think I learned fast that that's where it is different from college. And all of a sudden, you're a first round draft pick. If you're a high draft pick, you probably went to a horse crap team, yeah. and you got a city who thinks you're going to be the answer to turning a whole team around. There's very few, if any, who can do that. Mm-hmm. And then if you're really just a good, solid quarterback, you know that 
you know, it's hard to be that. Now, if you're the third round pick, no one expects that much out of you. But if you're the first round pick and everyone knows your salary and everyone knows where you live and that's real pressure, right? That's real pressure. I, I think it's really hard. And it's, it's a, and so I think that I learned quickly that, you know, that it's the same thing as you just keep teaching and then you better be in their corner. They got to know your forum because they they don't they don't know who to trust. You know you're you're 23 years old. You got 60 million dollars. You're in a strange city. You don't know anyone there. And mm. you know it's really hard. We all know how hard it is to find a handful of great friends or people you can trust. And mm-hmm. and for those guys who they you know there's so much money involved and there's so much uh, so many people who just want to associate with them that I really I really kind of you know, believe more than ever that, you know, that I need to be his corner man and you just need to be supportive. Now you keep teaching, you call it like it is, but they got to know your forum. Yeah. They got to know your forum. Our job, my job is get them as good as they can be. I can't play the position for them. You know, there's some hard decisions you have to make, and uh, but you can be supportive. You can be positive. There's enough negative and you try to keep it real and not perception, you know, that you know, you just try and you try and screen out, turn the the outside noise into elevator music, and you just you don't let that become any of the big things. You try not to be influenced. I think a lot of coaches get influenced by what the perception in outside. the city is. Yeah, not unlike our situation right now. You know that. Uh, you know, so I, I do think that this position. You know, especially when you're the quarterback coach, because you got a coordinator, you got a head coach. Yeah. You know that this position, the positional coach, which I really enjoy, has to be a refuge. You know that it's a it's a safe place. Right. You're going to get taught. We're going to talk about it. We're going to correct things. We're going to, but it's all it's going to be from a teaching mode and not a brow beating and uh, blame and that blame mode. game type. Mode. That's right. Yeah. Um, it didn't take long. By '97, uh, after one season, you yeah. guys are, are in a playoff, and it hadn't happened in 18 years. And I believe you beat Detroit at home. That's right. One of the great – one of my what favorite games ever. Yeah, and the old sombrero, and I think it was at night. And Fireworks are going off. All stock broke a lot. I still remember the joy of that one because because you had done something special, and you did something special. That's why – that's that's the charge you get from this job that yeah. you know that all of a sudden to see the looks on Mike Allstott you know the sidelines face Paul when Gruber you, Paul Gruber's of the world and uh you know there there's a bunch of them but you know that that, that that's special to go do something in this for the city the for first the city time, of Tampa right? yeah. yeah for the city of Tampa to, yeah. to, to really get a charge and from their love their football team and it and it really turned this is a great football city when that thing turned this place became a great football city and and uh, people love their bucks, and those the old sombrero was rocking, and I still remember that night game. And Washington, the next year, I think was the next year, and yeah. you know, just some some great, great. And then all of a sudden, you're playing in home in big games and big games at home, and this place. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. 
became a focal point for the league where there were some huge games with St. Louis, with the Rams, with, you know, and, uh, and that's what you want to be a part of. So that, that's, that's the, that's the rewarding thing. And, uh, and, and even now to just sit and talk about those days with you or yeah. with, with those ex players as they pop through here, you did something special and that, mm-hmm. that keeps you going. Let's go do, let's go do that again. That gives you, you know, that's worth, that's worth the work. And that's the thing. Like once you, you talk about expectations when you do get over that hump, so to speak, and you make the postseason. Yeah. Now it was, I think the team had an expectation and the coaching staff expectation that we're going to be in this every year. We're going to be in the hunt, you know, maybe win the division, but, you know, and you were, you were back four out of six years total. But I think, I think the players feel that, right? Once they get that first taste of, hey, this is, this is what this is about. Now let's, let's, let's do this again. Yeah, I always laugh. I mean, Warren, who I love, didn't do us any favors that last year. Said, you know, if we if we don't win the Super Bowl this year, we ought to blow up the team and the coaching staff. And uh, you know, the expectations rise fast. I always joke that when I first came here, and everyone said, if you ever have a winning season in Tampa, you'll have a lifetime contract and you can stay forever. And then a couple a couple big wins later, that you know, if we don't win the Super Bowl, then we got to blow this thing up. You know, and. Uh, so it, it does it does rise quickly, but uh, man, it will, it's a great journey, and this one feels very similar to that one. That yeah. it's a it's a, a stretch of, of not winning and not being in big games and eleven seasons, Clyde, and, with uh, no playoffs. There you go. So so it uh, you know I I think it has that same feel. It feels like the same kind of leader coming in here, the same kind of staff that. You know, probably nine of us were together in 1983, so there's a familiarity. And it was the same with Coach Dungey's. It was just young, hungry guys. We're not quite as young anymore, but we're hungry. And I think it has that same feel of it doesn't matter who, how, how it happens or when it happens or who gets the credit for it happening. It just feels like the, it feels like really a good situation. I think it'll be contagious in our locker room. It feels very, very, very similar. It's a steep hill. It's a steep hill. We're not very good team. We weren't a very good team when we took over there, but it can turn fast in this league. The draft, you know, how they set this thing up where you get some good young players. Next thing you know, you draft Warwick, you draft Mike Allstott, you draft some of Riddell Anthony, and you draft some of these guys, and they come in, and the thing turns pretty darn. It can turn quicker than you think just because the league's set up to keep parity. So, you know, how you play and how you act and how tight, how how you bring your team together really has it carries a lot of weight. It's not you don't just go buy your team, and uh, so so I do think that you know that we proved that first time we saw mm-hmm. it happen that uh, you know it can happen a lot faster than people think. But we're a long ways away. We're 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 just finishing OTAs and we just finished our mini camp and and uh, it feels it, it does it it feels like Mount Everest again. You know that you look up and you go, man, oh man, is that thing steep? But but uh, shoot, that you know. We'll get a little rest and we'll start climbing again. By '99, your your team that you were with the first time makes it to the NFC Championship mm-hmm. game, mm-hmm. and you you have your quarterback Trent Dilfer gets hurt in Seattle. He breaks his collarbone. You take on a rookie, yeah, uh, in Sean King, who's still here coaching at USF. Um, does a, as good a job, I think, as most people could have hoped for under those circumstances. But how many times have you? Turned away from highlights of that game, and you know it's six to five with four minutes and forty-four yeah. seconds to go. The Bert Emanuel uh, catch, which began what the definition of a catch wasn't right. at that time. How does that? I mean, did you ever? How often do you go? And I know you won a Super Bowl with the Colts. We'll talk about, but do you ever go, man? We 
we really had that. Like that was, I always remember that that moment. I do. I always remember that as being in being in a gigantic special game to yeah. be a participant. Yeah, it's one of the few NFL games that I remember where when I came in the locker room after the game, three quarters of the team was crying. Like that's how monumental it was that's how much we put into it greatest show on turf it was real and to go on the road and for our journey and what what the bucks had been and you know to go into that thing and the defense played unbelievable we had a couple cracks that we blew one on the first first drive and uh but but it it was being part of a special game it was being that was a special game that uh i'll always remember and uh and the other thing i remember is just you know you don't see pro athletes cry a ton and and I think probably three quarters of our team was just, you know, because it was a heartbreaking loss. It was a, it was a crusher. We were so close to that Super Bowl, and uh, but it was it was special to be a part of. And they and they were a special team. They'll go down in history as one of the one of the greatest really, in Tampa yeah, Bay history. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. You did get to go to Indianapolis with Tony Dungy, yep. and you encountered a quarterback named Peyton Manning. There you go. Um, I've talked to you about this a little bit in the past. I saw you at the Super Bowls. What did you learn from coaching Peyton Manning, uh, and what what was that um, chapter of your career like? Yeah, I think the first thing I learned was it's still just coaching, right? I still always go like a lot of college guys. What do I do? Was it different? And, and it really isn't, right? It really isn't different whether I'm at Holy Cross or coaching Peyton Manning. That you know, still just it's relational, it's teaching, it's protecting the ball, it's it's all the same things, and you just keep teaching them, and then. You know, I always say everyone should get a chance to work around Peyton for a year. Like, no matter what the profession, just because the way he approaches things makes you better. And he made me better as a coach, you know, that that uh, I always tease. You know, the one thing you didn't, you didn't want to go to a meeting, you didn't think about going to a meeting unprepared with him. You know, like, you, you just, he raised the level of the whole building and uh, how he approached things. And it was 365 days a year, but... But it was that same special feeling. I don't think he had won a playoff game. I like mm-hmm. to remind him he hadn't won a playoff game till coach got there and we got there. And uh, and uh, but you know, and then to go on that run that was unbelievable over a decade of really good football and a bunch of wins, you know, it was special. I mean, it, it, you know, like this, this thing is a special profession when you do things with, as a team. You know, it's a great team sport and mm-hmm. and. Uh, my wife and I are actually going to drive through Denver, and I'm going to get a round of golf with him in next week. So, wow. you know, and I'm looking, you know, and it, and I look forward to it. Just be, and it's because of the journey. It's because of the things you've done, and you know that those those relationships just continue and continue, and uh, and uh, that you know, and but how he worked, how he approached things, you know, you could argue is he the greatest of all time, but I know there's nobody put more into football no one loved the game of football and respected it and worked at it harder than him maybe equal nobody harder like i i 365 days 24 hours a day he worked at football and uh and uh he had a he, i learned a ton from him it was a special special journey to be around him day in and day out how did you feel uh going to miami you play the chicago bears it's uh Lovey Smith against Tony Dungy, right? A guy that had yeah. been on your staff yeah. in Tampa Bay, and he's now the head coach of the Bears, and that was history in and of itself. Uh, and then you see, not just for yourself, but you get you win a Super Bowl, and Tony wins a Super Bowl. What was what was that experience like? Yeah, so it, it was again, it was a neat deal. I think one of the reasons, one of the special things that 
I had known Tony. We had been real good friends for probably 10 years. And at that time, there wasn't a bunch of opportunities for African-Americans. It just wasn't happening. They were trying, but it ha wasn't happening. So, yeah. you know, I really saw coming to Tampa that first time with Tony as a chance to, to support a brother. You know, we were both Christian men. We both wanted to be about the right things. We both wanted to be about being excellent coaches and football and, and turning a football franchise around, but also not compromising family and, and, and doing our lives right. So that was a huge thing for me. And then also just a chance to support an African-American brother. And uh, so for him to hoist that thing and be the first African-American head football coach to win a Super Bowl, that, that was great. I always take pride in also that for him to – I think for coaching, I think it was important that there's a guy who doesn't cuss, doesn't demean anybody, treats everyone with respect, very seldom raises his voice, and yet wins at the highest level. I thought that was really important for, for coaching because I, I always have felt like there's this this um, stigma that you've got to chew tobacco and grab guys and fling them around and cuss them and demean them and put fear in them and... Uh, and that I, I've never believed that. I've, I've, I've always seen it not, you know, that works too at times in certain situations, but it's not the only way to do things and uh, that you can treat people right and still get an awful lot out of them. So there were a lot of things that that super, when I watched him hoist that trophy, that really were special. And again, you know, it was a special team. We'd been through a lot, uh, you know, coaches, Parents had passed away, his son had passed, you know, we've been through a lot together and then that makes it special. The African-American part of it, mm -hmm. uh, the style at which he coaches and the way he leads, that was important to me because I think it sent a message to everyone, hey, there's not just one way to do this with the fear factor and, uh, you know, that there, there's some other ways to do it also. So it, it was it was a it was a big I, I got a lot of joy out of that. That was it was really special for me. Coming up Monday, of course, part two of my conversation with Clyde Christensen as we really dive deep into the Bucks and what he expects from quarterback Jameis Winston. The Rays continue their series in Oakland, and the NHL draft begins tonight in Vancouver. We'll be back on Tuesday, but for Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. 